This is The Future Of, where experts share their vision of the future and how their work is helping shape it for the better. I'm David Blaney. Four years ago, Australia legalised medicinal cannabis, and since then, prescriptions have snowballed, with 25,000 applications approved in 2019 alone, which is a tenfold increase from the previous year. Clinical research is relatively scant thanks to a century of prohibition. Today, I'm joined by two people who are trying to push things forward. Professor Neil Foster is an academic at Curtin University and a chemical engineer. He's developed a drug delivery system which re-engineers drugs so they can be more readily absorbed into the body. And Paul Long is the Chief Operating Officer of Little Green Pharma, which was uh, very recently listed on the ASX. Thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. Neil, you're working on a project with, uh, with Curtin and Little Green Pharma. Could you tell us a bit more about it? Yes, what we've done is, uh, is license off a technology that I invented. It's called Arise Technology. And that is a, a technology platform which enables us to produce small particles of uh, drug delivery formulation. Uh, so what we plan on doing is taking the, the resin that uh, comes from uh, an extraction of the, of the cannabis and we will combine that in the Arise technology to produce drug delivery systems, uh, whether it be for a sublingual, whether it be a fast-acting stomach release um, de delivery system, or the third one we're looking at is a delivery targeted to the colon. And could you tell us a little bit more about Arise? How does it, um, how does it work and uh, what, what does it do? Okay, well, in the, in the pharmaceutical industry, one of the most common processes is, is crystallization. That's how you, you get your drugs. You crystallize out of an organic solvent. And the amount of solvent that's used is, is just mind-blowing. Uh, in fact, the pharmaceutical industry is one of the biggest producers of waste product, um, producing sometimes up to 200 kilograms of material of waste for every kilogram of product. Um, so what we have tried to do with our technology is to reduce the amount of solvent that's required. And we do that by using carbon dioxide as an anti-solvent. So we will actually take a solution of the drug, in this particular case, the medicinal cannabis. We will then inject carbon dioxide into that solution. The solution expands. And once it expands to a certain point, it can no longer hold the material in solution. The drug or the cannabis will precipitate out as, as particles, small particles, around about one micron in size. And the other advantage is that the particles not only are not only small, but the distribution and the particle size distribution is very narrow. And that means that we get a very controlled onset of pharmaceutical activity. And this means that you can get a much more controlled dose. Absolutely, a much more controlled dose and also a lower required dose. So that, that minimizes the cost to the patient, but it also minimizes any side effects. There's um, right. prohibition has made uh, it rather difficult to research cannabis. There's quite a lot of research to be done, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, obviously, um, there, there's a number of countries that have been legalised for a number number of years now. So Israel for over thirty years. So there's lots of lots of really good research now out of countries like Israel, um, Australia now since two thousand and sixteen. Canada um, for a few years prior to that. So we're starting to now see more of a pharmaceutical view, David, on, on, on research on cannabinoid therapy. 
Um, but absolutely, there's a long way to go. You know, we're still still very much embryonic as an industry, uh, but that's the exciting part, and that's the exciting part about our, our partnership with with Curtin and the opportunity. What are some of the barriers facing more widespread adoption of medicinal cannabis, other than, of course, the fact that it was only only recently legalised, of course? Yeah, look, in Australia, there's been a number of challenges. So the Australian government has taken, and rightly so, we believe, quite a conservative view on on access. Um, when you transition a, a product that has historically been a banned substance um, into a legal substance, the, the government wanted to, take, wanted to take a different view to, say, the Canadian view. Um, and so to access medical cannabis this time last year or, or in early 2017, uh, it was it was it was difficult for a patient. So um, going through a special access pathway to to get a prescription and through a specialist, so a patient had to walk into not just their GP but a specialist GP and a, a, a physician. So and often that would take months. Yeah, absolutely. Very costly, very slow. Special access scheme process took a number of months in on on some occasions. Then it had to go through a state health in each in each state in Australia. So by the time the patient accessed the product, it could be three to six months later, and and we're talking hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for, for the product. Now, luckily, what we've seen in Australia is a real support from Minister Greg Hunt and, and the entire um, you know, cross-party support politically, and we've seen barriers really dropped to entry now. So state the state health approval has dropped off. The special access pathway has now gone electronic. So in, in a lot of cases, our, one of our prescribing doctors told me just yesterday that he had a patient that, that he submitted for a product at 8 p.m. one evening. By 8 a.m. the following morning, the prescription was signed off and ready to go. So that patient technically that day could pick up a, a bottle. Um, and we've seen a, a huge increase in volume. There's now over 130 different products, mostly, in fact, all imported products other than Little Green Farmers. Um, but what that's done, it, it's, it's brought the price down to an affordable level for Australian patients as well. Could you explain for us uh, THC and CBD? Well, actually, more to the point, can you, can, can you get high from medicinal cannabis? That is a really cannabis? good question, and it's one that I asked when yeah. I was first approached by Little Green Farm. I said, why don't you smoke the stuff? <laughs> yeah. Difficult to smoke a, a pill, I guess. No, but it's, it's the leaf. Why don't you just smoke the marijuana, the cannabis? And that's the reason. Because the, the, the THC is what is the, gives you the psychotic effect. Mm. The CBD or the cannabinoids are what's giving you the therapeutic effect. And so the different forms of cannabis have grown to reduce the amount of THC for medical reasons. So the, all of the previous plants and I think the, the plants that grow in the wild, they will be, will be high in THC. Yeah, that's right. The recreational market has evolved to maximise THC for a, for that particular effect in most cases. But um, the thing that the thing that is really unknown is that THC and CBD are two of only 140 plus cannabinoids inside a plant. So we're dealing with a with a pretty complex range of cannabinoids. So what we hear in the market is THC and CBD, but ultimately there's a whole other range of cannabinoids that. That we believe in the future will be will be studied and researched and may have other therapeutic benefits. But um, there are about so, 170 at the moment. Yeah, yeah well, every, every, every day yeah. there seems to yeah. be some more yeah. discovered. So it's it's it, you know it's exciting, but yeah. it's also um, it's quite daunting as an industry. And I think education is important for patients to know that, um, and not to be not to be afraid of you know because THC when it's decarboxylated can produce a 
uh, you know, that feeling of high, like a psychedelic effect when it's balanced with CBD and for the right chronic conditions like chronic cancer pain, um, anxiety and sleep, there's certain conditions where the combination of THC working with CBD and the therapeutic effect of other cannabinoids, it's called the entourage effect, we get a really positive response from our patients. And that's common with a lot of natural products where you get this entourage effect. It's the, it's the whole matrix that gives you the, the effect, not just, a, not just a particular compound within that matrix. So it seems that the, the, the way that we think about cannabis has been quite sort of limited over the years in terms of uh, the, the impact that well, the approach that we've had with respect to the drug has been, uh, wait a second, let me rephrase it. It's, it seems that our, what we can imagine uh, cannabis is used for has been quite limited over the years. Oh, no, that's true, and that's partly um, just a lack of education and lack, lack of knowledge in the, in the marketplace, and that's one of the things that Little Green Farm have been fantastic at. I mean, they have a, a particular person who's, who's dedicated to education yep. so that the, the market can be properly informed of the difference between the THC and the, and the CBD and the, how, how the, the different compounds work and just have a better knowledge so that, you, you know, whenever you say you're working with a little green farmer and say, oh, you're working with a, with a marijuana company, and that's, that's not an uncommon response for people to have. So educating the marketplace, educating just the general community is a very important part, and it's little green farmers doing that for good reasons, but it's also good for the company. Hmm. And I think that it is. There's a lot of um, misconception about particularly in sort of a baby boomer generation. Um, so, you know, those that have really lived through prohibition, there's a, there's even today, in, you know, we've been legalised here in this country for a long time. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not uncommon that, that I'd sort of talk to someone on the street and they, they had no idea that it was now legalised and that you could access it for, for medical reasons. Um, the exciting part about this industry is that there is a huge amount of evolution to come. So at the moment we produce a oil-based product, like I was saying before, in a range of cannabinoid profiles, mainly CBTHC and CBD focus. But the future is exciting. The future is more around unique drug delivery systems, unique um, ratios of cannabinoid therapy, unique genetics that are working for certain chronic illnesses. So there, there is a lot of work to be done. Um, and But you know, absolutely, like Neil said, education is the key for, for, for everyone. It's for, for patients, it's for, it's for doctors, it's for broad range of healthcare professionals, it's for politicians, it's for, um, and we're beginning to see a lot of movement in that space now and more broader acceptance of, from patients and people who previously would have, um, you know, almost laughed at the at the idea of using medical cannabis for, for, um, for chronic illness. And part of that education too is to inform people about the difference between uh, legitimate uh, medicinal cannabis such as Little Green Farmers producing and the black market cannabis which has no quality control. Yeah. Um, and that's why with that particular sort of material, you don't know whether you're overdosing yourself or underdosing yourself. Yeah. And of course, it's much more cost effective to have very potent uh, cannabis in terms of THC levels on the black market than it is for, um, Absolutely. Absolutely. for a more sort of balanced mm -hmm. mix. Yeah, I think the... Um, what we find is that what we, we our view on the market is, from a pricing perspective is, is that the medical market will eventually sort of land at the at the value of the the illicit market um, of cannabis and and we know at the moment in Australia anecdotally that ten, roughly ten percent of Australians are consuming black market cannabis and and a big percentage of that ten percent is for medical reasons so it is you know it's someone's mother who has got 
stage four cancer and he's wanting to get you know um, some sleep and 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 support with their support with the you know chronic cancer pain and so they're they're accessing illicit cannabis because it's previously been too hard and too expensive but what we're finding now and where we think it will land is that um, the cost of producing a high grade high quality medicine out of a GMP facility manufacturing facility will land at roughly the same price so there'll be there'll be this transition of of those call it 5% of Australians accessing it for medical reasons in the black market shift across now to the to the to the proper market whereby we can guarantee that we've got you know a consistent product in the hands of the patients that um, that is grown in a way that is can be replicated and can guarantee quality it's really important could you tell me more about the therapeutic uh, benefits of the who who's using it and uh, what illnesses is it uh, is it used for treating yeah, so I think you said in your introduction there, there's been more than 25,000 special access scheme applications. So we have seen a rapid rise. Um, there is now over, I think the last report I saw that there was well over 50 different chronic conditions that have been prescribed, which is which is you know a very, very broad range. But if you break that down and actually have a look at the numbers, the majority of the applications approved has been for chronic pain. Um, cancer-induced nausea and vomiting. Um, and then we have a whole raft of sort of smaller PTSD, um, anxiety, um, sleep conditions. So, and then the sort of list goes on. But, but the vast majority has been connected to chronic pain. Mm -hmm. So chronic pain is defined as pain that someone is, is, is um, feeling on a day-to-day -day basis that lasts for more than three months. And in the case of accessing a special access product, a non-registered drug like medical cannabis, they, the patient must have, um, they must have tried other medications that are registered on the market. So they've had, they have had no effect or they have side effects to, to those registered medications. And at that point, they can be prescribed a non-registered drug. Um, but, but certainly chronic pain is the number one by a long way. And um, is, is it a safer option than using, uh, for example, opioids, sort of Oxycontin, that sort of thing? Or is that, is that a bit sort of, is that a bit of a, a bit of a difficult question? Oh, look, it probably is. And there's lots more, there's lots of work to do in this space. Uh, I think the thing that we do know about cannabis more broadly and medical cannabis is that you know, to date, there's been there's been no overdose of of medical cannabis because we have an endocannabinoid system in our in our body. Um, what we do know about opioid epidemic is that you know last year in the US there was more people that died of opioid overdose than they did car accidents in in the United States. So it is a massive problem. Um, does medical cannabis is is it is it this amazing drug that will that will you know decrease the opioid you know deaths around the world? You know, there's lots of work to be done in that space, but it, it, there seems to be the early stages of talking about some complementary capabilities. We're, we're conducting with um, a number of clinics across Australia. We're looking at um, some investigator-led trials to actually see if there is an opioid drop-off and even a slight drop-off in patient opioid use with an increased use of medical-based cannabis um, we think is a really positive thing. But, but you know, as we sit here today, there's lots more work to be done and, and research to be done to really prove up that, that theory. Do you see listing on the pharmaceutical benefits scheme as being at the end of a long pipeline? Yeah, look, again, affordability is a real challenge. We're talking about if you think about a patient, a typical patient with chronic pain, um, these, these, pe these people are suffering um, and often often they may or may not be working, likely they're not working full time. And even 
even a few hundred dollars a month is a lot of money for people in this scenario. So as a non-registered product, our products are not registered on the PBS. To, to go through that pathway, we need to invest as an industry and as a company in in a range of studies, including placebo-controlled phase three clinical trials. And then at that point, we need to provide an economic um, study to, to the government and apply it to be you know, submitted to the um, pharmaceutical benefit scheme. So that that is absolutely the end game for for our company and for for all uh, medical cannabis companies. But we're not. Um, we need to be pretty clear for for the listeners that it's uh, this is this is this is you know a number of years away. Um, but we're proactively as a company investing in that and, and pushing towards that to make it more and more affordable for for patient use. Uh, where do you think? Um, where do you think? Where do you see things going in the future, Neil? I think that the future is very exciting. Um, this technology that I've developed, we've been trying to commercialise for a number of years now, and uh, it was just a fantastic opportunity when Little Green Farmer approached us, um, approached me. In fact, I was at a Curtin Innovations Awards ceremony, and after the awards were given, I was lucky enough to be a semi-finalist. And at the end of that, this big burly chap came racing towards me. I didn't know if he was going to be a, give me a rugby tackle or not. <laughs> and this happened to be Paul Long, who's sitting beside me. It was a hug, wasn't it? Please, will you work with us now? Yeah. But so, and he said, "Let's have a meeting and chat about this." So a week after, uh, he we sat down over a coffee, and he told me his vision for the company and for medical cannabis, and I told him about my technology, and it was just a it seemed like a perfect match. Mm. So what that does, and, and that sounds cliche, but in my line of work in, in drug delivery, um, and people don't join academia to, to become wealthy and rich. Um, we do it because we want to make a difference. And this is something that I've been searching for, where we have a real opportunity to commercialise a technology to make a difference mm. in a space for, as I said, mainly for chronic pain, particularly elderly people. Um, uh, we have got an opportunity now to look at drug delivery systems for other disease states and other illnesses, uh, such as epilepsy, autism, um, multiple sclerosis. And these are all a part of the Little Green Farmer agenda for future development work. And, and that's the, I just think that's just a wonderful future to look forward to. Where do you see things going in terms of policy, in, ter in terms of public policy? I mean. That's probably something that Paul could answer better than me. Yeah, look, we... We, if, if you look at the political, uh, the cross-party political support for medical cannabis, this this industry is driven by people. It's driven by people that are that are suffering, that are that are talking to politicians, that are that that they're choosing to source products in the black market and are saying, "Well, this is this is crazy. We need to, you know, talking to politicians that we must change." And you know, we we sit here today as a as a country. We've evolved so much, and and you know there's we, there's a lot more there's a lot more work to be done. We we absolutely believe that. But right now, um, you can walk into a GP, and if you are if you fit inside the um, special access process, then within 24 hours, just going into your GP, you can access medical cannabis. Now, where do, where do we see this heading? You know, we see the we see that the, the access will become easier. We think price will will stabilize. And, and we think that um, there'll be company, real serious companies uh, in our industry that say, this is not just about producing an, a 1010 oil, which has got THC and CBD. Let's actually think about the disease profiles and let's think about a drug delivery technology. Think about unique cannabinoids. Let, let's, let's, let's try to almost think like a, more like a pharmaceutical company and develop a product that is 
um, that we that we run into you know phase clinical trials and we and we go through that process and we actually prove an outcome that we know if a patient comes in with this chronic disease here is a product that that we know through evidence based research will will provide an outcome at the moment where where the the market is driven primarily the primary dosage form is oil across the across the all the sort of 25,000 prescriptions um, but we are seeing there's some flour and there's other delivery technologies at the moment but but ultimately we see it becoming more of a sh- pharmaceutical based delivery and and very very focused on um, the actual chronic illness itself and, and part of that will be more clinical trials for different disease states because yeah. at the moment the the disease states for which it's being used is largely based on anecdotal evidence um, but companies like the, the ethical companies like little green pharma will be engaging in clinical trials to prove one way or another if this works and if it does work, what dose works, um, and it makes it a much more scientific thing. But um, at the moment, and the dodgy companies, well, black market is it's an interesting thing that they they're not subject to any regulations. There's, there's no quality control, so you don't know what the profile of cannabinoids is if, if there's any in there at all. In fact. Um, and that's and that's a real problem at the moment. I was amazed um, over the Christmas period with a family gathering. Relatives of my age have been using the black market mm. for their chronic pain, and these are normal people. These are not people who are you know junkies or anything like that. Mm. So the the market is out there, but uh, to have black market is just not a good thing because I said you can overdose, you can underdose. Um, it's 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 not controlled. Yeah. So this is a, this is a much cleaner, more ethical way of going about things. It's slower. Clinical trials are not cheap. I think was the number that was given to me yesterday for phase three clinical trials of fifty thousand dollars per patient. Yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah, certainly in the in the in the, in the millions. So um, and I think the other thing, David, we find is that the Canadian model has been an interesting model whereby their evolution into an adult use market, so a rec- you know, recreational market has been quite rapid. Um, we don't believe that the Australian pathway will follow the Canadian pathway, but um, there are what, what's happened after the Canadian model is there are companies here in Australia that that have a view that that you know adult use recreational models will you know evolve to Australia pretty quickly. There's a referendum in New Zealand late this year on 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 recreational use. Um, so if that if that's approved by you know the the uh, the, the, the New Zealand population, then it, it you know it may evolve. But there are companies that are just almost you know they've got licenses and they're waiting for that to evolve, uh, rather than thinking about this like a a um, thinking about the patient, thinking about the chronic illness, and thinking about proven outcomes and, and investing in research. So um, you know, and and the, and the market is is evolving in that way. No one's got a crystal ball. No one knows exactly where it's going to land. But but Little Green Pharma is very very much focused on the clinical outcomes. How much does it cost to get a cannabinoid based uh, medicine or oil yeah. or yeah. what have yeah. you? Yeah, we're, we're unable to sort of talk about our costs as a as a company. But like I said before, we think there has been a lack of supply in the market historically um, in the last two years. So we know that that prices have been unaffordable and really high for patients, but. We are now seeing through you know, freedom of information and we're seeing that the price is, is rapidly coming down. We've now got over 130 different products on the market. So there's, there's more supply, which means that there's more competition for, for pricing. Um, and we think that it'll pretty rapidly get to the point where it's almost benchmarked with that, that sort of black market price. Just, yeah. to give you, just to give you an example, there was a, a, an article on one of the current affairs programs very recently. 
uh, with a, a young man who suffered from Crohn's disease. And he was saying it was costing him $600 a month for the oil. And he just couldn't afford it. So that's, that's, what, that's what the marketplace is charging in, in that particular case. That's, just, that's pretty expensive, $600 a month. Yeah, it certainly is. Look, as a, as a, um, we're a manufacturer, so we then um, we have other um, processes through before it you know, becomes a retail price into, into, a, um, into a pharmacy. Um, but we as a company have been very focused on making product affordable because it has been an issue in our heavily regulated environment. So we've made decisions as a company to, to really focus on, think about the patient and try to make affordability key. So, um, and we think that we're, we're seeing that evolve really quickly now. And I think we will continue to see that throughout 2020 and beyond, which is, which is ultimately where it needs to be. This needs to be something that is in the hands of patients that are desperate for this medication at an affordable price. And uh, Neil, what's, what's next in the pipeline in terms of the research that you're working on in this area? Well, we have uh, recently signed a research services agreement with Little Green Pharma. Um, it's in three stages, three six-month stages. The first will be to look at three forms of drug delivery, as I mentioned, a, a buckle or sublingual, a fast-acting oral uh, dosage and the uh, targeted release colon delivery system. Uh, that will be after six months, we'll make a decision as to which one or more of those we will pursue. The second six months of the research will be to optimise the conditions, the operating conditions to produce the best uh, cannabinoid profile. And if we get through that second six months um, section successfully, we move into the third phase, which is scale up and doing what we call GMP validation, good manufacturing practice validation and uh, then commercialisation. And um, do you have anything else to add, either of you? Not from my no, point of view. I think from, we've covered things. You know, it's, good to, it's certainly good to be here today with, um, on the podcast and to have Neil here and to be, you know, we've got a cl really close working relationship with Kurt and we have now for, for a number of mm -hmm. years. So we're, we're super excited to, um, to be working with, with Curtin University um, and you know, a big part of our research and development um, budget and focus, and our team will be will be here and really proactively working with Curtin. That, so yeah, that's a good point. The Curtin Research Office to, um, team here at Curtin have been fantastic mm. in this whole process. Um, they've been very supportive, proactive, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, and Curtin just loves being involved with industry. Uh, that's their reputation. It's an international reputation they have, and this is just another demonstration of yeah. the, of that uh, whole process. Well, um, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Neil and Paul, for uh, coming in for, and for sharing your knowledge on this topic. My pleasure. Thanks. You've been listening to The Future Of, a podcast powered by Curtin University. If you have any questions about the topic that we've discussed today, please feel free to get in touch by following the links in the show notes. Bye for now.